spoiler ahead. I mean, anyone who's turning on a film podcast and then yeah. is getting angry when someone talks about the plot of the film is kind of an idiot. Well, yeah, well, it's not a surprise, been, the films. I think yeah, if we I've can surprise the, them. Being I've like, been writing timestamps as well for spoilers. Yeah. Um, well, I say have been. I did the last time and I will continue to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm happy for you to do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I give myself all this extra work. It's because I feel a bit bad that Jonah does the edit, which is such a fucking horrible job. And I just kind of sit and chat. My my job is to book the guests and update spreadsheets and, you know, all this and write the copy. So it's all kind of nonsense stuff. But it's all important stuff. Anyway. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Hit it, bitch. Hello and welcome to Not Exactly Citizen Kane, the Film Academy Discussing Podcast. I'm Jonah Kensett and I'm here today again with the lovely Alex Wedlock. Hello, Alex Oh, hello. Wedlock. Hello. I'm lovely and I completely stepped on you, um, but that's all right. Uh, I'm, yeah, how are you? I'm, I'm all right. I'm feeling good. Are you feeling lovely? I'm, fi- I'm I, do you know, I wasn't, but when you called me lovely, I, I, it kind of felt right. So I'll, uh, today... And today only, I'll be lovely. That's good. Bring some joy um, to day. Lovely. Yeah. I would like to, before we get any further, um, mm. there's sort of some some public service announcing some that needs to be Parish notices. Yeah. Couple, actually. And both of them are things I've got wrong on previous episodes. Um, I, I would like to publicly apologize uh, for my um, synopsis of Merrily We Roll Along, the Sondheim musical. Uh, I said it was early Sondheim. It's not. It's kind of slap bang in the middle sometime. Um, and uh, what I said the plot was about is not what it's about. It's not about two couples. It's about like, I don't know what it's about, but it's not about what I said. That's so, evident. Yeah. Um, I'd like to apologize for that. For and also, Sondheim fans. Even yeah. All the Sondheim fans. Uh, I'd also like to say, in fact, we haven't released this episode, so it might've been cut, but I said that Robert Redford was a big supporter of, uh, stunt man, stunt performer Oscars. And while that might be true, he has not publicly said anything about it. I, I don't think, uh, who I was thinking about was Brad Pitt, who are basically the same person in my head. Um, so yeah, I hang my head in shame for both <laughs> those things. I'd like to apologize. You're just making up facts about people now. I am. Yeah. Spreading rumors. This is, this, yeah, we could get into a lot of legal <laughs> trouble. Um, uh, yeah, there you go. We're spreading positive things about Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's going to have to. St- he's going to have to come out now and support stuntmen yeah. and women. He has no industry. choice because yeah. of the pressure that this podcast, yeah, <laughs> has given him. Well, it's probably worth mentioning as well that, um, as in previous podcasts, it is not just us two that is here in this void. Thank heavens. Thank the Lord. <laughs> this week we are joined by a fantastic musician who I've described in the past as having a voice like treacle over hot coals. He is the exclusive, the wonderful, the creative Oscar Mary. Hello. Hello. How are we doing? Are you exclusive, Oscar? Is this like the only platform you allow yourself? Um, Did I say exclusive? Did you say exclusive? Maybe maybe I am exclusive. (laughs) Although that's the first time I've heard that um, treacle over hot coals. Oh yeah, he whispered it to me the first time he heard you play. Yeah, that's Um, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Stick that on on your next release. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm going all blush. I'm blushing now. That's Um, so nice. You are a musician, as as Jonah said, 
uh, you're also uh, like everyone else we've had on one of one of our our, our busy mates. Uh, I've lived with you um, yes. again. That's a recurring theme too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, you're having a great time with your solo stuff at the moment. You're, you put out an EP a few months ago, which is fantastic. Yeah. Nearly a um, year ago now, in fact. Really? Oh yeah, my word. Yeah. yeah. It was last summer, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, cause my first release was a year ago, I think last week, which was a, bit okay. of a wake up call to the fact that I haven't done anything really since. Yeah. But that's so, all right. That's still, you know, podcasts. how, <laughs> How are you, um, how are you feeling about it all now? You've had a bit of a bit of space. How, 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 how does that, how is that EP done? Are you happy with it all? What are your plans for, for subsequent things? What are you doing musically at the moment? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the, uh, the EP, the EP. Yeah. It, you know, it did everything I needed and wanted it to do. It kind of expanded my horizon as a solo musician me being unable to decide what genre i really <laughs> like doing as alex well knows from living with me it's a it's a weird mix of norwegian folk and then heavy death metal so you know it's a bit of a mixed bag but i'm i'm doing a, another ep or another set of singles and recording them at the moment it's just taking me a while because i hate recording music love playing it live <laughs> love writing it you put me in a studio and I will take a hundred tries to do one line of vocals. So yeah, yeah. it very slowly we're getting there, but yeah, it's good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, no, well, don't be silly. For all the fans of Norwegian folk and um, heavy rock metal music. Um, My people. Yeah. Could you, uh, what's the name of the, um, the stuff that's already out and where can people find it? Oh, so you can find it on, you can find this on all good streaming platforms under the name. And evil Oscar. ones as well. Yeah. Yeah. And evil, of course. Uh, it's just Oscar Merry. Merry is in Merry Christmas. Merry we roll. Really on. fun around December. <laughs> um, it's on YouTube. You can find my Facebook, Instagram, my website. They're all Oscar Merry music because you got you got to specify. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the <laughs> Not Oscar Merry trampolining. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's a he's doing very well though. Oh yeah, yeah he's doing yeah, very yeah. well. He's reaching yeah, yeah. new highs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but, uh, my yeah, my my EP Unfurl is out on Spotify, and my single Absences is also out on Spotify. So please go, please just please go listen to it. <laughs> stop stop listening to this. Go stream it now, please. Yeah, could could you not stop li- listen to it after you've listened to this? <laughs> yeah, please. queue it up. And um, you, yeah, have yeah. a back to back. Oscar Fest. Yeah, we listened, didn't we, Jonah? The other day, like in preparation, we put the EP on. I I had heard it before, but I hadn't heard it for ages. And we had it, we had it on over dinner. And um, it is great. (laughs) It's properly good. My parents enjoyed it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Fun for all the family. Fun for all the family. You can put that on the poster the next time you put something out. Yeah, definitely. Until you start playing Absences and Grief, which is a. Oh yeah! Sit at three a.m. and cry in the corner of your room. Yeah. Type music. To That's be honest, fine. the vi- the vibe of dinner got slightly <laughs> slightly sad <laughs> about halfway through. So we've asked you to bring on a year. Um, the jury is out as to whether I gave you a big scope or not. I think I may have just you, you like assumed. Um, but no, I think this is one of the th- three years you would have chosen, even if I hadn't kind of. Yeah, you, know, you very much honed in on what you knew. I was. I, well, I said no. Again, I feel like it's. I don't know why I brought this up. I feel like it's important to specify. As far as I'm concerned, I said I'm assuming you'll choose one of these three years. But w- w- what year would you like? Um. So, Oscar, could you tell us what year 
you have chosen and and why, please? I've chosen 2003. Yeah, the 76th Academy Awards. Yeah, um, purely for the reason that uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King is on it. That, that was the only reason. I hadn't seen go. any of the other films that were <laughs> up for the award this year. I just, Alex knows me too well. Went, did you want Lord of the Rings Fellowship, Two Towers <laughs> or Return of the King? And me knowing how much the Return of the King just sweep the board. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, this year, I, yeah, this, it was, it was only ever going to be this. Can we infer from that that then that you you like do you like the Lord of the Rings or do you genuinely hate it and kind of like being in pain? Um, as um, I think, as Alex knows all too well, I am like borderline obsessed with Lord of the Rings to the point where just before we all jumped on, I was just scrolling through YouTube as you do, and every single video on my recommenders was some. Lord of the Rings lore, Lord of the Rings facts you didn't know. What happened to the Blue Wizards? Oh, I watched that bit. I saw one of them. Men of of the West. Yeah. It's just a brilliant thing. Um, And to my left, as we speak, is the replica of Narsil, um, the reforged blade. So, yeah, uh, you could say I like Lord of the Rings. (laughs) I have absolutely (laughs) no idea what you just said. Um, this big, might be quite sword. a long podcast, yeah. uh, just to warn anyone. Um, well, should we get into it? Because this is quite an interesting, this, what this was, with the exception of Return of the King, I had not seen any of these films mm. and, um, I really welcomed the chance to watch a couple of them. Um, I think it's a good year. Yeah. I think it's, mm. it's maybe not a stellar stellar year it's not like oh my god this is all shit hot it's kind of fine but it's good um i'm trying to think of the ones that i'd seen already so that the, the two from this year that stood out were the two that i watched so i think that says quite a bit about yeah. you know the legs of some of the others i'm purposely not saying which ones were because I well, feel yeah like- yeah yeah although i'm i'm really interested everything. that that's the case actually should we should we without without further ado let's announce the nominees um music please and the nominations were Lord of the Rings Return of the King Lost in Translation Master and Commander The Far Side of the World Mystic River and Sea Biscuit Right <laughs> there you go um we've summoned ten. the spirit of the awards I mean, we're talking about the Oscars, so, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is the one reason we wanted Oscar run. Yeah. It's because um, you are the award. Why, why All the yeah. stuff about you being you, the nominated, the yeah. musician, nonsense. You are just the gold man. You, you? You, you, could, you could also just call me my last name, Mary, which is then also a lovely reference to the Lord of the Rings yeah. as well. So this yeah. is just yeah. a winner all round. It could not be better, this. You are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And of course, this your is, middle name is... Um, Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. just, it, yeah, the stars aligned already with this one. And and I can't speak uh, Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like like all the people. ticking off all the boxes. Yeah. It's almost weirdly kind of, you know, aligned. This and thing. you're too tall to be a jockey as well. Hey! Yes. So <laughs> that's the, have you ever been to Boston? <laughs> no. No. Well, there we go. Um, well, the previous years we've recorded, the three, us and the guest, have been unanimous. Right, Jenna? Am I right in saying that? It's It's all been a bit boring, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, there's been a bit of a, bit of a kind of discussion. Here, I am certain (laughs) that 
if things not are, yeah. a complete three-way tie. It might be even that the three of us all pick different things, but I have a feeling two of you will be on one side of the fence and I will be on the other. Yeah, I've, I've Blood will be drawn. Yeah. yeah, I've got an idea of how it's going <laughs> to go down. This is yeah. Genuinely, normally it's just like, should we record this, have a nice you know, chat with, with someone we brought on, chat about films, it'll be great. This time I might genuinely lose lose oscar as a friend <laughs> he might he <laughs> might just choose never to speak to me after this so there is quite some danger I, yeah um, yeah i did watch lord of the rings last night as well so it's it's fresh in my mind fresh in your head was okay did we? Oh, yeah, yeah of course you did <laughs> yeah we did I, I didn't even watch the right film <laughs> I, I don't i don't need to <laughs> i watched fellowship last night but in in my head from going to bed after watching it up until you continued now, the two towers of the Return of the King have just been playing in my head over and over again. So this we sh- this is uh, going to be fine. We should also say just before we get in get into it, um, Oscar, you've not had the chance to watch Mystic River, um, no. which is fine because it's Joan not and I the will... easiest one to get hold of. Actually. Yeah, it's kind of not readily available, and and we you know. kind of thought that even if I can't watch it, YouTube selling. Yeah, you know, yeah. on it might be quite a nice little break I, in, in between me fangirling. Yeah, we're kind of very aware that coming onto this podcast requires you to do quite a lot of homework. So we yeah. wanted to make it very clear to anyone we might approach: uh, you don't have to watch all the films. Don't have I to maintain that this this works if you have watched none of them, and we'll yeah. kind of talk to you about films you haven't seen, and you know that that's fine too. So, so Oscar, this is kind of a chance for us to test that. Um, uh, but yeah, Jonah, where do you want to start? Um, I wanted to, well, I think it makes sense maybe to start with, um, apart from, which is probably the obvious one, the other film of this I had seen before. Okay. Um, which is um, Lost in Translation. Great. So I um, I watched this film at school for some reason, I think in an English class or a language class. So I watched it quite a while ago. And I remember it's... It, which is odd when you watch the film with that in mind, thinking someone watched this film and thought, let's show this to a class of, I don't know how old we were. Yeah. Um, especially that openings, <laughs> opening shot, you, the, the teacher was probably thinking, oh, maybe I misjudged this. Although we did also watch Taxi 3, the French film oh, in French class. Well, no, the French <laughs> film Taxi 3. And there's quite, there's a lot of flashing in that film for children. Uh, Bill Nye is Bill sad Nye? in Japan. Bill, not Bill Nye. We've done it again. <laughs> he creeps <Mo>. in. <laughs> he creeps into every. Yeah. To be fair, if he was in every film, I don't think anyone would be able yeah. to complain because he is incredible. <laughs> but he's also not in this. <laughs> in Bill, this Bill film. Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Bill Murray. Uh, yeah. Bill Murray is is having trouble with his wife, and he's sad in Japan. And uh, Scarlett Johansson is. Uh, also having trouble with Bill Murray's wife. No, uh, with her husband, and she's sad in Japan. And the two kind of, you know, bump into each other a whole whole bunch of times and make friends for a bit. Mm. That's sort of it, isn't it, really? Technically, that's what it is, but I feel like that's a bit, you know... Okay, uh, Jonah, what is this film about? Well, Could you do us a summary, please? Um, Bill Murray in this film is doing a fantastic performance as Bill Murray, pretty much. <laughs> um, I can't, genuinely, I can't remember what his character's called, but... Oh, he it is, doesn't matter. He's he, Bill Murray. Because he's Bill Murray. Yeah, and so he's, he's, he's playing... in my notes as Bill Murray. Yeah. He's playing an actor who's um, gone out to Japan for some, like, promotional... So he's, you know, he, yeah. I think he's, he's promoting 
um, a whiskey. So he's doing like all the kind of adverts and the filming and stuff. And he's been put up in this nice hotel. There's, there's an amazing shot. But well, this, this, this film is just um, wall to wall, amazing shots and tableaus. You could tell, you could lay out shots from this film and just tell the entire film in the images. There's a shot quite early on which is him in an elevator full of um, Japanese businessmen. And he's a head taller than everybody else. And that to me just sums up the kind of fish out of water kind of, you know, not just a, a place where people speak a foreign language that he doesn't speak, but also a very foreign culture. He's, he's completely floating alone. And the only other person who he can kind of, you know, talk to is this young woman played by Scarlett Johansson. And she's come to Japan with her... Uh, recent husband they've been married for a couple of years because he's got a job he's he's a photographer he's shooting a band but she's got nothing to do so she just sits around the hotel quite a lot of the time in her pants it's a film about liminal space film about two people who are a point in their lives when they're between where they are where they're going this kind of relationship develops between them in a way that could only happen in this kind of weird liminal time in their lives Fair enough to say, I absolutely love this film. I think it's beautiful. It is gorgeous. It is is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I I had to watch it in um, three parts because it's it's a very slow film in a very lovely way, but you you have to be in a certain mindset to sit down and watch it. So I think I watched the first half an hour as I was watching it, was realising that this is an incredibly, like, beautiful beautifully made film but i am not in the in the headspace where i'm taking this in as i should so then i came back to it the day after watched half an hour and then was like i'm still i'm still not there despite you know i'm making note i was making notes the whole time about how brilliant it was but not really fully appreciating it and then i came back and i watched the rest of it and just absolutely fell in love with it it's just Mm. it's just so stunning and it's exactly what you know jonah says it's two people who were very you know lost quite literally as the title says that they're, they're completely lost and they kind of gravitate towards each other because they they both understand how each other is feeling despite being like Jonah said at such different parts of their life and it's just this lovely kind of blossom, blossoming romance that you you don't want to support because they're obviously both married but at the same time, you can't help but want them to fall into each other more and more as the film goes on. Yeah. And I think what's powerful about it is that the relationships they're in are so kind of wonderfully painted in this. They're not horrible. Like you can imagine both of them carrying on with those people and being mm. fine, but there's something also quite bleak about it all. And and you find when they're on screen together, there's this just glimmer of life that isn't mm. there in their performances yeah otherwise it, it is just stunning and their, it's their, their chemistry is just yeah off, uh, off the charts in this su- subtle lovely way yeah it's amazing um apparently sophia coppola really wanted bill murray sophia coppola who directed and, and mm. wrote it uh really wanted bill murray uh and she like was like how do you get bill murray because he's kind of and someone was like just just hey badger him badger him and he'll get there and she just kept kept getting in touch please be in my film please be in my film please be in my film he eventually arranged to meet and he was like sure cool i'll do it and she's like great you'll have to be in japan at this time and he's like i'll be there cool and then he left and then she realized that he hadn't actually signed a contract so 
all she had and then she they they did not speak until they were back in japan she didn't she couldn't get through to him and all she had was like his word that he was going to be in it and when he turned up apparently it was just an incredible sense of relief because they could actually make this film um uh, yeah they're fantastic it's all about them right it's such a quiet little tiny film not much happens in it it's slow it's, it's absolutely the kind of film I love. I love it when nothing happens in films. Um, well, in a very specific way. You'll hear me in future episodes, I'm, I'm sure, saying, oh, blimey, nothing's happening. It's rubbish. But in this this case, I loved it. It's, yeah, it's um, what I call nowhere films. Like, it's not that nothing happens, but the things that happen just seem so kind of insignificant compared to, you know, I guess, I guess some of the other films we're going to talk about today. You know, there's no massive fight for good and evil it's just two people being people and you know kind of you feel how neglected they are within you know i guess to themselves in actual fact i think this is what a lot of the film is is you know they're not very kind to themselves in these films scarlett johansson stays in her room non-stop and doesn't go explore this city you know because i guess she's she's kind of afraid like you know there's the scene when she goes and visits the monks and then she gets on her fo- the phone to i think it's her mum or her sister and just says about how she she didn't feel anything and she feels like she should and you mm. know she's so withdrawn from this amazing culture and city that's around her and so is bill murray until they find each other and realize that you know they can share in this together and you know start enjoying this amazing city and this amazing place they're in together and I think that's a massive part of it. I think they're both kind of invisible in a weird way because obviously they both stand out yeah. in this place. But like, you know, you see the scenes when Bill Murray's doing his advert and he's behind this, you know, massive engine of this, um, you know, production crew and they're all moving about him and like dressing him and moving him and tweaking him. But he's it's almost like he can sort of you know, vanish within that. He's, you know, he's such a... He's he's just behind the lens. No one's really mm. interacting with him. And the same with Scarlett Johansson is just sort of floating through this hotel like a ghost. But yeah, I think it is it's a it's about a moment. It's I've talked to in, in the past about films that are kind of about then you know, like Alex says, it's not about anything, but it's about creating a feeling, cre- you know, creating an emotion through mm. a montage of images. And it does it it's about this small little moment in time. Like, so what I'm saying with liminal spaces, like waiting, you know, waiting rooms or airports or bus stations where you kind of, you can't really put your feet down because you're about to move on to something else, but you're just sort of waiting, waiting for something to happen. And it, but that sounds like actually the script isn't like the script, the script's just kind of, it's sort of a, I don't know, a low hum of patter, but it's really, it zings as well. I I, th- I think one of the things that also sells it so well is um, the cuts. There's all these really jagged, mm. kind of harsh cuts. And normally, you know, like a editor and a director will probably get together and put in a J cut there, yeah. uh, so you can, you know, so you can kind of blend into the scene. And they just they just don't. They just decide not to consistently. And I love that because it really sells this like. I, you know, like I say, the jaggedness and the jumpiness of this new city there. And like um, when Bill Murray's sitting on the the bed of his hotel in that very, you know, famous shot that I think is the poster for it on mm. Netflix and Amazon, 
he's this you know he he goes from being this worthwhile somebody who's on a billboard and he gets all the handshakes and the bows and then it's him quite literally stripped sitting alone on his bed and then it cuts from this silent moment of him in the hotel room to the bar and he's the only one sitting alone everyone else is enjoying themselves and it's this wide shot and it just stands out and it makes you kind of, I, I don't know, it, it adds to that sensation of how lost they are in this weird city and a place they've never been before. And I, I wrote in my notes that, oh, maybe these cuts are going to lessen as he, you know, meets Scarlett Johansson and they kind of fall in love together a lot more. Maybe these cuts will become less jagged and a lot smoother, but they just don't. And I think that's really nice that, no matter how close they get together, they're still so quite literally lost in translation in this <laughs> city. Who would have thought? Yeah. What, a, what a great name for it as well. You yeah. Know, what a great yeah, title. What a title. But the, the cuts to me are what really sold me very quickly on how well this movie was made. Yeah. There are two scenes in this film which kind of are kind of slightly infamous. Um, there's the scene on the bed with the two of them. So they've uh, they've just had a wild night out in the city, you know, the karaoke. They've been chased by you know by villains and and, and, guns. and then they end up back in the hotel and they're both just sort of dozing off on the bed and they're about as far away from each other as they can be, just mm. talking. And then their hands in the middle just sort of reach. And is it and it's I can't remember where is it Bill Murray? This quote comes from Alex when he's talking about that's the scene in the film that you kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only time they kind of open up a little bit about their kind of hopes and desires. And they're actually, you know, Bill Murray's talking to Scarlett Johansson's character from his wisdom about her career. You know, you'll find your way, you'll work out what you want to do. And it's just that kind of just t- really tender, quiet moment, I think. And then the second scene is obviously the one at the end, which I think is the most you know famous part of this movie is... Wait. Spoiler for Lost in Translation. Oh, yeah. Well, I, yeah, it's not a massive... Sp- I don't we, think we, it's... We, <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? I, so I didn't know this was coming. I, oh, okay. I, I, I don't know how. Um, I it's a very fa- I kind of as it was happening, I was like, oh yeah, I, this this bit. But I, I it's kind of not a spoiler to say yeah. that. They, they, look, if if look, we will flag up spoilers as we always do. But um, you know, so if you don't want to know that they don't get together, uh, or if you don't want to know that they actually do manage to get the ring into Mount Doom, then you know, <laughs> click click the 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 things in the thing and you know cool i mean that moment when you know bill murray throws the ring <laughs> yeah bill murray <laughs> and the, right and he's, he's like catches it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's the weirdest um, team yeah 2003 team-up film you just didn't yeah, see it coming I, it's not strange that you went for the scene uh where they're lying chatting to each other opening up but the one that the one that made it for me is when they're sitting outside of the karaoke room oh yeah afterwards oh, yeah because yeah. it's you know you you as as a I think as a moment to sum up the entire film that that was it for me and this was on the third time when I was fully invested in how much I love this film so yeah. that helped a lot but you know they're quite literally you can you can hear someone singing in a language that they don't understand hence the name <laughs> of the film. but Have we mentioned it's a really good title yeah yeah right but then as soon as she puts her head on his shoulder it's it's this they they have each other they found each other in an otherwise kind of very confusing place and time uh for them internally and externally and i just thought it was this 
you know, they, they don't say anything to each other. It just happens and you just feel this full connection between the two of them. It's just, yeah, I, this film just makes me feel things on the inside that I think <laughs> is just absolutely lovely. However torn it makes me because you shouldn't be rooting for them to get together, but you just do and you can't help it because they're so electric on screen together. Also, the, the karaoke scene for me, weirdly, is the one, not outside, but when they're singing karaoke, mm. that maybe it's the song choices. It's like <laughs> Elvis Costello followed by Roxy Music. I mean, you've got me, uh, to be honest. And then there's a there's the Carly Simon Bond song later on in the film in the thing. So uh, it, musically, it, it had me. There's something about the way that when they're singing uh, that Roxy Music song together, what's it called? That song. Um, there's something about the way they're kind of connecting with each other through. Yeah. It's the one time that they're having that everyone around them is speaking their language because it's the language of Western pop music mm. um, in this karaoke bar. The yeah, language of great. song. The language of, language of song. I, yes. I just wrote how much I want a karaoke night out now, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But it has just to be in that. Tokyo in a bubble, like little. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course. I, I mean, we're all in bubbles, <laughs> yeah. aren't we? <laughs> we roll our bubbles together and karaoke. Yeah. Karaoke is not a word. Ka- to karaoke. Is to that karaoke. a verb? Mm. To silent orchestra yeah. at people. <laughs> it's like, to, yeah, to bring an entire orchestra with you and then just stand staring at a person waiting for them to conduct you is to karaoke. I found it interesting how little, you know, the, obviously every film has a lead, and a, you know, blah, blah. I, I just found it so strange how little every other character matters how, how much they kind of didn't make an impression of, mm. um except from kelly uh, who i hate is that with anna faris the, yeah, the actress the, the, the hollywood actress yeah the blonde just the worst type of person yeah oh uh, it just it just instilled such rage in me that i thought i was gonna have to just like pause it and go have a cigarette and come back and try be brave but yeah um and just, she murders nobody does it better as well so she, oh just <laughs> no. horrific and uh the, the only other character who kind of you know makes a real impact is the singer in the bar yes and, <gasps> and her impact is so kind of and this is a short yeah um, yeah bill, bill murray uh gets gets laid <laughs> <laughs> talking about this lovely soft movie and it's just yeah bill murray fucks yeah, uh, but I, that I was actually that. the uh, first title. Original yeah, title. first yeah. Right. Bill Murray yeah. fucks, uh, <laughs> which also has many layers to it. <laughs> what? <laughs> what layers does that have? Well, it has, it's it's no because he does mess up his marriage, so he fucks up his marriage, but also he literally fucks. And there's many layers in that because obviously there's one person on top of another. So you know, <laughs> it's been said many times that Bill Murray fucking is very like an onion. Yeah, it yeah. makes you cry, but. <laughs> <laughs> And it sweetens any dish. It's in. It's great. <laughs> Bill Murray. <laughs> but I, yeah, no, I, I felt like the singer was slightly underplayed. You know, mm. I, feel, I feel like Scarlett Johansson very quickly goes from, I can't believe you've done this to, oh no, you're still my friend. Like, you know, I still want to get with you. It was, it was very weird how quickly that kind of like betrayal was overcome by her. But I kind of think that's, that felt entirely true to me because... You've got to think, okay, why is she cross that mm. he's shagged the singer? Is it because he's cheated on his wife and that is a bad thing? Possibly, but but we get the sense that it's because she's kind of cross that it's not her. 
right? Am I? Yeah. Am I? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but, but I think the reason you get through that is because Scarjo presumably she she wouldn't have cheated on her man. Yeah. So yeah. I I think it's about I don't know I think it's about empathy that mm. I think it's about understanding that he must he's he's trying to do the least kind of damage that he can. I don't know. Yeah. It's just about people being people. And that's another thing that yeah. makes this film so good. And it's so quiet this year. I know I, I, when you when we got into these films, Oscar, it's such a manly macho year. Um, it, all, even this one, I think, is quite a even though Sophia Coppola directed it. It's quite a it's got quite a masculine energy to it. I think it's about really? you think do, do you think I do? Oh, I, I think it's about I don't, I don't think so at all. No. But okay apart from this one they're all very yeah. masculine I, I would also disagree with we'll, we'll get to oh no sea biscuit is so fucking oh no butch. i was talking about lord of the rings and like oh how lovely the masculinity in that is okay but how many different... women how many women are in no, the no, lord of the rings uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about like that i'm talking about how masculinity is presented in lord of the rings well, it's well, not yeah I they're think. all hairy men with beard anyway then, anyway oh. i know that they're supposed to be i don't get this thing right when everyone says this is not the conversation to have right now but oh the thing about lord of the rings is that they're all kind of you know they're not manly manly men they're just kind of you know they're kind of effete poets and it's really kind of just a whole bunch of hippies trying to trying to fight against the man fuck that they're they're hairy sweaty horse riding big beefy men and it's a film about Big beefy men helping little villagers do a big manly thing. It's a manly film, I think. I think. Uh, uh, yeah, it's probably not the most manly big sword epic. I agree with you there. But if you put this next to Brief Encounter, this is a very manly film, Lord of the Rings, right? That's what I think. Well, if you know, in co- that's a context thing, isn't it? We'll get on to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Lord of the Rings <laughs> is skulking in the wings. Its <laughs> yeah, eyes gonna, glowing at oh us. Oh God, you're never going to speak to me again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be told I'm ready for my opinions to just, I think all of them are wrong, but they no, are my you're, opinions. You're, so. Your opinions are your own opinions. It, it doesn't matter <laughs> if, if I agree or disagree with them. Um, it only matters that you are putting our friendship on the line. <laughs> <laughs> do I protect yeah. our friendship or do I protect my uh, critical integrity? integrity? Yeah. <laughs> Which is I mean, wrong. But, you know. um, but I'm just going to put it out that you're critical integrity. I, d- I don't know how, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on that as a... <laughs> wow, I'm getting attacked on both fronts here. Yeah. This is, this, is called, this is like a little skirmish warming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my word. <laughs> What were we talking about? Lost, Lost in Translation. In translation. Yeah. Okay, I take it back. Not masculine films, but what they all are, even Seabiscuit and even Mystic River, they're big, right? They're big epics, yeah. these films. Yeah. All triumphant. of them, big things happen. Not even, tri- well, well, Mystic River, triumphant, but like like know. big stuff, tectonic shifts in these yeah. people's The worlds, world is changed right? forever by the end of these films. Exactly. And this film is not that. No. And actually, I think it's really lovely in amongst all these big, massive manly films to have mm. this little tiny kind of tranquil, like Jonah was saying, it's about space and it's about kind of feeling and it's about images. It's, it's kind of in a way, it's like the truest kind of filmmaking because it's yeah. pictures. 
Yeah. And it's these things, these little, little tiny images that just tell you exactly what these people are going through and what they're thinking, what they're feeling. The romance in this film is so interesting because it's kind of like you, like you were saying with the, um, you know, the scene where, where Bill Murray cheats on his wife with someone else. It's kind of mm. like, well, what were we hoping from this? Would we have been satisfied by the two of them, you know, get together and run away at the end of the film? Mm. Because that just, it doesn't feel right. And actually, if you project into the future of that relationship, I, you know, would, would that relationship actually sustain itself? I don't think either of the characters necessarily believe that. But just for that moment in time, they both just needed someone else just to be there. You know, that's all it needed to be and that's all it is. And that's why that that moment at the end with the kind of, so the famous scene at the end, which, spoiler alert, but it's also a famous scene. And I don't think it spoils the film knowing no, this is it's, coming. No, it's a weird one, isn't it? It's one of those films where actually what happens in it is not as important as experiencing it. If, you, I mean, yeah, if someone yeah. broke down exactly what happens in this film and then you watch the film, you would get exactly as much as if and you'd watched it cold, I, I think. And I yeah. think Possibly. knowing the final scene kind of made me almost enjoyed it more because I was anticipating it happening throughout the whole film. And then when it finally did, it was this lovely moment. Mm. Well, if I can, I'm, I'm going to just dust off my um, pretentious hat for a second and just put it on. Yeah. I thought you had it on when you said liminal space. To be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a, that's, I, I have levels of pretension. I'm kind of like on a, I'm on a, like a, like an earthquake. I'm on kind of a, yeah. You know, tectonic base your, level of your like your hat pretension. has like clip-on attachments, yeah. right? <laughs> Let me just screw on the chin strap and attach the feathers to my pretentious hat. Yeah. The the difference between um like narrative in writing and like something like well not all poems, because you can get, you know, prose poems and narrative poems, but you know, poetry is that Poetry tends to circle a theme. It never, it doesn't, you know, it's not trans, you know, it's not traveling from point A to point B like a quest. It's circling a theme and presenting it in lots of different ways. And, and films like this and, and Birdman and stuff like that, (laughs) films that are creating a feeling do that. They're putting you in this space and circling this kind of feeling for a bit. Are you saying this film is a cinematic poem, Jonah? Um, Yeah. Can I, can I say that and not be kind of ridiculed? No, can I you say can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't but, but go we'll, ahead. We'll I'm going to say it anyway. I don't yeah. care. Haters going to hate. This film is a cinematic poem. You, you are. Completely I think you right just though. made me. I just think you made me like this film less. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia Coppola true, is a poet. For the most part, it's a gorgeous film. It's a gorgeous yeah. film, and it properly floored me. It ended, and I kind of was like, "Whoa!" I'd like really had the breath knocked out of me. Just to put a little bit of negativity into the works i'm not saying this is what i think i just i'm interested to raise this you are playing the devil's advocate Mm. yeah well i kind of think i i'm not sure what i think about this but i'm interested to hear your thoughts what do you think about the way this film depicts japanese culture yeah because i Mm. think there's a little tiny element of the film kind of laughing at it in a way that i found a tiny bit unpleasant yeah i suppose i think that is a legitimate the stuff with um the the tv crews so there's two scenes i think there's one where it's bill murray in the advert and there's a tv crew around him and the one where he's on a japanese um talk show and it's just wild and you know we all know the cliche of japanese you know game shows it's just wacky and noise and lights and we're not even saying that's far away from the truth either like i think no i i i think you know uh, as someone who has no experience or real education in 
Japanese culture. Yeah, besides, I've never been to Japan either. Yeah, besides, <laughs> know. you know, besides what we, I guess, consume, um, it's probably it's probably not a good representation. I I think that's kind of the the lip my stockings. Yeah, scene. However awkward and like a little bit funny it is to oh, watch. Yeah, yeah, that if, was horrible. If you, if you took that out of the film, the film would still be fine. Yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't make any difference. It's just kind of there to one have a joke about being lost in translation. It's a really good title, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is. I, I hate how much I'm saying it, but no, it, it, it's there to like you know kind of drive home that idea. And to show yeah. how awkward Bill Murray is, um, yeah, and and also kind of I guess um, create a juxtaposition be- between you know his later actions with I guess Scarlett Johansson and the hotel lobby singer who he sleeps with, yeah. Um, between that and this, I guess prostitute that they they send up to his room, but as- aside from you know they they didn't need that scene, and it's more of just like a. Oh look, funny, funny accent than yeah, anything well, the whole, else that, really, and it made me uncomfortable because of that. Mm. Yeah, you're right. I, I think to a certain extent, the argument is, I suppose, in defense of the film, is that Japan is sort of a extended metaphor for feeling alienated, right? Yeah. So it's about yeah. the difference in their culture, and it's not saying this is. It, I, I do know. I read up on it a little bit. Some. Japanese people said not not cool, um, and so I think you have to take that. Some people were more fine with it. I think it's. I'm not saying we're, we're, look three white guys who've never yeah. been to Japan. We're not going to solve this, are we? No. So I think it's just I. I'm not asking for a big debate. I just think it's it's something that kind of stuck with me a little bit. Tiny yeah. bit about it. Yeah, keep, keep uh, as something yeah. I do wonder about that. I, I I I'm not I'm not sure what I think. I I'm. Yeah, I think for I think the most it's, part it's fine, but there are moments when it's kind of a bit. Up. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. So, so I think that's lost in translation, isn't it? It's yeah, a, it's a great title. Sophia Coppola, of course, becoming the first American woman. Let me just double check that ever. Just the first American. Yeah, yeah, woman. first American. First of all imported. <laughs> Congratulations. Do you know what? <laughs> I mean, you know, if you want to look at American history. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh God, I don't now. <laughs> uh, well, no, she became the first. I'm just checking that it's not the first white American woman, but I'm pretty sure it's the first American woman to mm. be nominated for Best Director. Um, she was the third woman overall. Yeah, which is just dreadful. 2003. Yeah, you know, we're saying like, yeah, oh, it's 20 that, years ago, but that's yeah, that's, but that's outrageous. Yeah, outrageous. Um, that's yeah, that's yeah. First not, American woman, third woman overall. Outrageous. 90 outrageous. years or so since the Academy started, right? Jeez. Yeah. yeah. No, well, 80, this is the yeah. the 76th Academy Awards. So 76 years. That's yeah. an easy way of working it out. Not okay. It? <laughs> Not okay. Not no. okay. Um, but she's obviously very good. Um, and it's an incredible film. And we loved it. Yeah. Um, should we move on to the film? What do you, Let's ask you choose. Do you want a film you uh, haven't seen or a film uh, you hated? Let, oh <laughs> shall we shall we shall we get ocean cookie over with yeah. let's move on to sea biscuit yeah oh, it's yeah. um how uh, should we summarize this it's a film about an angry can horse I, no, right no, can, I, can i please summarize it yeah, yeah go on yeah, yeah go on yeah. Yeah. uh spider-man uh meets jeff bridges <laughs> gets on a horse tamed by a horse whisperer run fast win 
And that was Seabiscuit. That was Seabiscuit, right. So Mystic River, um, <laughs> it's a Seabiscuit, I think, I think you disliked it more than we d- we did. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've I found like it's totally what I thought. Quickly, we'll do what me and Jonah thought. Yeah, mm. I thought it was completely inoffensively bland. It was just kind of like it was a nice. If someone had said, "Hey, do you want to watch a film about a horse?" and they put that on, I'd have been like, "Yeah, that's nice." But if you're saying this is one of the fifth best films made that year, <laughs> yeah. fuck off. Mm. Um, yeah, not not cool with that. It's all right. It's fine. It's kind of heartwarming. It's about a horse. Um, it, it's all right. We kind of had fun. We laughed at it a couple of times because it was a bit stupid. Um, I thought Toby Maguire was actually quite good in it. Actually, um, that's that's kind of all I have to say. Yeah. Jonah, you have some thoughts about what this film is about. You're wrong. Well, <laughs> it's about a horse. Oh, okay, Jesus. I and. I I don't know if I enjoyed this film. I like I I enjoyed it while I was watching it, but I think uh, it's it's weird because the context in which I was watching it is oh I'm watching this so I can talk about it later. Yeah. So it's like so you know if it's a bad film I'm watching I'm watching it ah oh, that's great that's ammunition for when we're, you know <laughs> me and the lads are going to chat about it. But if I like I I can I compared it in my head quite a bit to Racing Stripes, which is a film about a racing zebra, zebra, which just out of the, you can't race zebras. You'll break their back. It's fine. But like, I remember, so if I'd been sat down as a child and someone had put on this horse film, I think I would have, I would have just been bored out of my mind watching it. It's, I don't know. It, it's inoffensive. That's what Alex, how Alex put it. I mean, it's, it's a sports film. And yeah, you know, there, uh, so there are moments in it. We, I think we were like, ah, oh, when they're running oh, the race, totally. we were when kind of caught up in that. Yeah. When it's a sports film, it, it it's kind of great. Yeah, I think when it's a kind of yeah. a uplifting film about, hey, these people against the odds, it's less good. But there are moments where you're properly excited by these yeah. horse racing and the radio presenter. He's great. That oh, chap from this. Fargo. I, I, I can imagine you two doing that as a team <laughs> with, with all these little bits and bobs to make the noises. I'm just imagining like, you know, Jenna being like, and they win the race. And Alex is just there with like a massive horn. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Oh, just yeah. Uh, as soon as he came into it, I was like, I, I want this to be the format for the podcast. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, oh, yeah. invest in some bells and a glockenspiel. Yeah. I, I want him to be the film. Yeah, I think a, yes. a film about him. Oh, so much better. <laughs> well, that film is Good Morning Vietnam. I think. <laughs> yeah. If you want to see that film, <laughs> but I don't know. It's 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 fine. But I, I I agree that when if you're saying oh this is one of the the best films made that year, you I kind of go. Yeah. Really? Pull the other one. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a fine. I don't know. It's all right. I what Alex? So what? I came out. My opinion of this film is: I I think is the the horse is a metaphor for America, right? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I think. Well, if you look at it, right? So it's historical context. Sea Biscuit is a so it's a true story mostly. It's a he's a you know, racing horse from America. The film takes place from is it uh and so like 1890s to 1940s i think it kind of so it spans a, an a period in american history where america goes from being the tail end of the wild wild west and then you know cities begin to you know establish borders and and you know the and uh, jeff bridges characters he didn't play multiple characters. He played Jeff Bridges also plays three of the horses in this film. Uh, no, Jeff Bridges character. Yeah, he's very versatile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Uh, Jeff Bridges plays a um, 
plays a bicycle salesman who um, in, a, in one of the early scenes fixes a man's car and then it snap cut to him as he, he is ba- he's a car, um, car salesman. And you see the evolution of the, you know, the car, you know, through the cars he's selling. He's, you know, and you see, so the car phases out the horse as the mode of transport in America and horses become, you know, the, uh, the pastime of horses is racing, you know, so that's, that, the film is about horse racing. And then, but you follow the film through um, the Great Depression in America and then, you know, and then kind of America climbing out of that back towards the end tail end of the thirties and late, you know, as Seabiscuit is this kind of, you know, the idea is Seabiscuit is too small to be a racing horse and everybody else, you know, didn't, didn't want this angry little horse. And then he, you know, goes on to beat all the big names in horse racing and, you know, later on he's, he injures himself and he's going to be put down, but they don't put him down. They take him, they look after him and then he, you know, he builds it back up and he does run again. And it's this kind of uplifting thing for the people living in depression. They're like kind of, oh yeah, if there's under underdog, he's a horse, can do it. <laughs> we can do it. And it's, a, you know, it's an idea of America, this scrappy little country that's been tamed like the horses with, you know, out the wild and has to, I don't like. I, I, why am I defending I, this film? I, I don't really all, care. All, all so you think it's about is, America? I yeah. think it's about a horse, right? Um, yeah, it, Oscar. Jeremy, so you, so you say it's a metaphor for America, <laughs> an allegory for America. Yeah, uh, it's but it's based on pretty much based on a true story, right? Yeah, isn't it? yeah. So it's about a horse, it's not America. <laughs> it's a real horse, so it's not about America. Well, it's, it's about a stupid horse it's about a period in american history and we follow the horse yes i, I don't know yeah. why i'm ragging on you so hard yeah. for this jonah because i actually really love it when films are kind of about yeah. one thing but also about yeah. another but for some reason when you ascribe that to this film yeah. it makes me really cross it's because it's an actual horse it's, it's not about a horse weird, yeah. it's yeah. about a horse well, i'm not saying it does it well i'm just saying i think that's what the filmmakers were intending it doesn't do anything if you look at <laughs> reviews God. of yeah. it around the time it was released, people bloody loved this film. Yeah, of course they did. They thought it was animals. one of the best films that year. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, should we, me. should we let Oscar go? Should we, Oscar, do you yeah. want to tell us what you thought of Seabiscuit? Yeah, I've, I've got, I've got my, I've got my notebooks. Uh, got notes. I've got 10 pages of notes and they are all angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, 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 no. So the, the one cut when he goes from um, selling, fixing the guy's car to selling the cars, that I said, okay, nice cut. That was smooth. That was it. The first note I properly took though was, I hate the music already. Oh yeah. Um, uh, it's I just this film. It's such a basic premise for a movie, right? So it's it's you know beat down jockey, beat down horse. Together they win. You know, it's the underdog story, and it's yeah. so easy to do. And this film just doesn't do it well i mean the first 15 minutes of this is about jeff bridges fixing a car selling cars getting money blowing a load of his money on stables uh filling it with cars and then there's the you know the economy kind of crashes and then it's just like there's just such horrible cuts where you know so the the economy's gone down and this little kid who's a later played by toby Maguire, who i will only refer to as spider-man from <laughs> here on out this little kid uh young spider-man you know he goes oh dad i've got two dollars and then the dad goes where did you get this and then suddenly we're at the racetracks 
And it's just, I do, if they cut out the first 15 minutes of the opening, yeah. just have a star in this America that's completely beaten down. Let's feel for the characters. Spend that 15 minutes with Red, you know, having a moment to learn about, you know, how, how he's come to be this down and out person, but he loves horse racing and he's really good at it. That would be great. Uh, but no, we just we just get told that we need to care for these characters that we've just met. And it's, you know, we've hardly seen him ride a horse. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh no, you're going to go with this man so you can ride horses. And the mum and dad are crying. And you're like, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I've just met. <laughs> and then the film's like six years later, fuck off. We've only just met the people. How, why? Oh God. It's just, I don't, it just, it just feels so dislodged from itself as a film. It's trying to do all these different things at once and build all this drama. Whereas if they just focus on this kind of down and out story and sprinkled a few of the problems and it would have been fine. My favorite explanation for this is so Jeff Bridges, you meet his son once in the kitchen. <laughs> he's holding his little son up and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, everything's great. And then we meet him again uh, and the son's sitting on the sofa reading. And let's let's read my notes here. Um, this is early Jesus. on in the film, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This He's is... reading Flash Gordon, which is yeah. Which I, I was like, oh great, I like this. Yeah. I like this kid. I was like, this is this is going to be great. I was like, this kid's reading Flash Gordon. I love Queen. Let's go. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, this kid is an animal because he's driving a car himself. The kid's driving yeah. the car, and I was like, this kid's an animal. I love this kid. And then I was like, oh no, is he dead? Uh, well, it I... takes. Are you ready for this? Two minutes and 26 seconds to have him die from when you first see him on the sofa. <laughs> I will repeat that. A character we've met once as a child whose only line of dialogue is like, oh, I'm going to stay inside and read that. Two minutes and 26 seconds for him to die. And then we're meant to feel something. No, it's not emotional. It's just shocking because the setup was so overplayed. If you're going to have the kid die which like fine but you don't really need to but but it's, it's also what happened yeah yeah i yeah i mean i just it's just like it just hurt me cuz it's like oh no there's a car coming from the other side and the kids driving is like all across the road it's just it's just so you know it's not shocking it just feels really cheap the way they did it despite it being real um and then i just wrote spider-man gonna be the son jeff bridges lost <laughs> the void <laughs> yeah but then but, the, but then jeff bridges wife leaves in like yeah. the next scene with uh yeah. what is this yeah i hate this film i'm only 25 minutes in and i'm furious and then just to <laughs> just to really drive this home there's another narration what is uh, it with this film and having a sudden they used to say that the iron workers were the best. It's just no, shut the fuck up. It Don't used you... to be that America was only oh, for men, but God, now it's for horses. <laughs> yeah, it's just horrific. And then there's a there's a new love interest because this film. Oh, just Elizabeth jumps Banks about. is bloody great in this, though. No, I mean, no, oh, I, I disagree. Part I, disagree. I love yeah, because she only ever gets casted in these parts. Yeah, like, and she really, deserves better. Is, she deserves better. And so what is what have I written? Because I'm just reading this from my notes because they sum up just how angry I was perfectly. <laughs> uh, I feel like she only gets given the same parts or just plays them in the same way. I'm not sure. I hear yeah. wedding bells. Surely they're not getting married. 
it takes 10 minutes and seven seconds <laughs> from her first scene for them to marry. It takes three minutes and 51 seconds from their first conversation for them to marry. Film. Why, Do you not have that why are you rushing? Does that not feel true to your life? Shotgun Oscar? wedding. That's what happens to me. Yeah. It, just, it just hurt me. And then Jeff Bridges and the Horse Whisperer are going to be friends. So I guess put Spider-Man um, on the crazy crazy horse. Hey, yeah. angry man, angry horse. It makes sense. Yeah, why not? And then it's three months later again, because this film just can't stay fucking still. So we're <laughs> going to completely glaze over the building of trust, which would have been a really interesting thing about seeing Horse Whisperer and Jeff Bridges kind of learning how each other works and like having a bit more on that relationship. Also, right, who is the, where is it? Where is it? But, but before that, we have to get a fucking another narration, which is it horse genetics and just horse's a horse. backstory. It was all of us <sighs> that came to the track that day and found hope for the first time in a long time. Uh, it's, he just needs to learn how to be a horse again. Uh. <laughs> followed follow by, follow by a shot of the horse in front of a little bit of a lake or a river, because you can't. You can take a horse to water. Yeah. I mean, did they really, they really tried to do that. This film's just, this film's just horsing about and it makes it horse shit. Yeah. Amazing. It's, oh, it's, I can't believe they saw it and I like threw my book. I was just like, you haven't just tried to do that, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And then we, then we learned that Spider-Man's struggling with some eating disorders which we're meant to feel emotional about, but they've only hinted at it was once he? in the film. Yeah. <laughs> he I didn't yeah. even get that. He doesn't yeah. take so, the food. Uh, I just thought he, he didn't want to eat he, anything. No, no, he throws <laughs> up a bit earlier on in the film, makes himself oh, throw right. up. Because he's too then, big to be a jockey. He's too heavy. Then, he needs to be lighter then, so ah, he can get in the class. Yeah, And then oh. they hint at that being like a emotional thing. And it's like, yeah, no, that's great. That's a great no, bit of story. But we don't have time. They don't make any time for it. Well, this they, is true, it, and I didn't like notice want, it. So yeah, they they want to cram so much of like tragedy into this before the triumph. Like you know, he's also blind in one eye because he oh, was a boxer and he got punched oh, in the face. Yeah, yeah, which they don't really explain. They just kind of, which is fine, but like, it's just so stupid. And then we get another narration, um, and then again with Jeff Bridges' son when he goes into his son's bedroom, and it's like we've seen him green grieve once, maybe twice. The rest of the time has been him getting married and racing horses and kind of being happy. And then they're like, oh, we're going to just throw him being in his dead son's room to, you know, expect the audience to care, which I just didn't. Um, and then we find out that much like Bill Murray, Seabiscuit fucks. Yeah. Because <laughs> part of the reason he was so agitated is just he needed another horse in there and he needed to get laid like an absolute player. I mean, Bill Murray was another the uh, original yeah. title of this. Yeah, Seabiscuit uh, yeah, 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 fucks. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, the sequel. Then an, yeah, then there's another narration. <laughs> and then obviously Spider-Man's blind because of fucking course he is. Yeah, but he uh, can like, sen- he doesn't need to see, he can sense. Oh, He's got his spidey sense, yeah. right? And then, oh no, Spider-Man gets hurt. Who could have seen more drama coming because they just have to pile it on. And then another narration. Um, and then as it hits to the final race, the final part of the race, you're like, okay, I'm ready for this to be something interesting to watch. They cut away from the actual race and have some black and white photo photos being shown over. Yes, Only the beginning it. of the race. I didn't mind that so much. I hated it. I hate. It. Well, I, I hate everything about this. It just didn't make sense. And the race is like, okay, eh, that's fine. It's just 
Seabiscuit floors the other horse because I thought it was really exciting. No, <laughs> I really enjoyed those. The are the only bits we kind of like, kind of engage. Oh, I just with, felt it? it was so yeah. underwhelming because, like, instead of it being like close or anything, Seabiscuit just goes into like turbo drive. Yeah, you know, he just absolutely steams the other horse. And then there's another <laughs> thirty minutes of film. Why? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're like as I was watching that. So Seabiscuit races again. He races again afterwards yeah. after coming back from uh, that's you the know. sequel. Uh, he, he he hits the horse on the wrong side of the flank with like the whip and in my notes i've written is he gonna hit the wrong side of the horse with the whip <laughs> is it gonna try inject another pointless bit of chaos and drama into its already overdone film oh wow there's a lady hitting some hanging laundry where spider-man is could this be more obvious the obvious <laughs> the ominous music gave it away the random fact that they used to, they they just inject one line in. Oh, don't whip him on his left side because he doesn't like that. None of us like oh. it. Oh well, speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> I just it's just so it's just so stupid. It just fails on all levels of subtlety in filmmaking. Sea Biscuit can't race, so I I was really hoping they were going to Marley and me the end of this film and just like, shotgun him. <laughs> well, they nearly do. That's that. the thing, yeah. don't they? They nearly shoot him. And then Sam, yeah. the helper, finally speaks, despite being in like every other scene. And then we get a Spider-Man narrative at the end. And I, and I wrote, oh. uh, at least it's finally ending. How is this put up for any awards? It's possibly <laughs> the least favourite film I've ever watched in my life. Oh, don't be... Some, no, that cannot I, be... I, really? I hated this. You haven't Blue had to watch three. Hello Dolly. Yeah, but I think the thing is... Oh, hey, 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 Jonah, okay. you take that back. I won't. <laughs> Hello Dolly. Uh, anyway. He's been singing um, it all week and it gets in my head. Anyway. I love that film more than I, I said I did when we recorded. Oh, it's grown on me. I think it's it just, might be a masterpiece. It just made me so angry because it lacked just the simple things to make it watchable to me. It's just it, so bloated. I th- I think it is worth pointing out what I said this um, before we started. Uh, Jonah and I, we watched the Best Picture nominees, right? We've we've watched mm, a few films yeah. now, and this is so completely a hundred percent the kind of film Oscar, not you, yeah. the award, yeah. loves. Uh, that Ironically. we're kind of we're kind of like yeah fair yeah at this point and actually I I think I I understand what you're saying I think it's not I don't think I think it it's got a lot of ground to cover it's telling a big story it is quite a good story I think the, st- I, well, the, the historical the story based on is, yeah exactly exactly is really interesting I think there are moments of really of real excitement I think. Toby Maguire, who I'm calling by his name, not the part he's famous for, because I think it's a bit unfair that he gets, you know, labelled with that all because I think he's quite good, and I think it's a shame he's I, not had. I just a, couldn't be bothered to write Toby of... Maguire out every time. <laughs> to be honest, I think it's it's a shame he's not had a kind of. I think he's good. I think he's really good in this film. I think, um, yeah, it is a bit choppy. It could be a lot shorter, but it makes you care, or made me care a little bit about some of the characters. It's kind of nice when it all goes in. It's not it's you know it's not troubling intellectually it kind of does what it says on the tin it closes with the line it wasn't us that saved the horse do you remember what like my reaction to that bit just <laughs> yeah, at the end yeah let's let's read we let's do recre- it shall yeah, i rec- be toby mcguire you'll be toby okay. mcguire and i'll be me oh, i can't wait it wasn't uh, I'll, this is my toby mcguire impression <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't in the end of the day it wasn't 
the ass that saved the horse. Don't say it. Don't say it. It was don't say the it. horse that saved us. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Ex- it's <laughs> exactly mine as well. Exactly mine. It's, it's a it's a it is a, it's a sports film right we were, we were yeah it's a sports movie totally totally we were watching yeah. when yeah you know, we were dissecting it as we watched it it's the same with when we were talking about biopics we bre- i think we briefly touched on like the, the the music biopic which is exactly the same film every single time yeah, yeah, yeah and you yeah. can you know you have the same points it's you know it's, it's a it's a kind of oh know, no he's had trouble with drugs yeah you or know. Uh, oh no, it's or, a kind of out of out of look person, but uh, this this person with money sees potential in this yeah. kid. Or, and he's or gonna... more recently, he's got a Celtic boyfriend with a moustache. Yeah, which... <laughs> I wonder if that that boyfriend will turn out to be a complete another bastard. But like it's you know this it, the the all the sports movie tropes of the kind of you know they build up the montage and they start winning and then just before everything they injure themselves and they're put on the bench and, and then they have to compete the last race with an injury. Yeah, I yeah. said this the same with Gladiator. I think that's a sports movie. You know that like, where he gets stabbed. Just, <laughs> it's not a always sports get, movie. It's not. <laughs> But there's always, you know, the handicap for that final. You know, the the, the hero can't just be good at what Sorry. they're good at. They have to oh, be crippled. Now dislike you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that film. It's a good oh, film. God, Gladiator is a sports movie. <laughs> hey, oh, feel ill. There are lots tell of professional gladiators a, who. I uh, tell you what is a sports movie, really and that is. Um, uh, a Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger. Oh, that yeah, is a sports okay, movie. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's okay. um, and actually, weirdly, Seabiscuit made me think of that a lot. Well, it's all the and horses, it just, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. It made me just want to be the... watching that, to be honest. Actually, um, I had a point. I The sound design in this film actually annoyed me because it wasn't very... It wasn't very... Ima- that, they used the same horse, Winnie, three times in this film. It's 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 also the horses' hooves are just uh, King Arthur with. A- <laughs> it's, the thing is, it's I think it's not a terrible film, but the fact. Yeah, exactly. The film exactly. itself doesn't so annoy me, but the fact that it's put up as one of the best films that year does. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think well, that was partly it set me up for thinking like, oh, maybe this is is going to have a cool twist in the way it's you know presenting this very you know basic underdog story and it just it just didn't do anything different uh, like you guys said the guy over the the radio was the best part of it by far yeah and and look there are if we look at the films that weren't nominated for best picture uh but seabiscuit was you have things like you were saying oscar I, i'm not huge about this film but you love the last samurai that wasn't nominated for best picture um big fish which i think is oh, great yeah that wasn't nominated for Best Picture. Um, City of God, Brazilian film, not nominated for Best Picture. I, I, I mean, how did how did anyone look at this and be like, so we've got, you know, La Samurai, which to me is just a stunning film visually. And like, the I think every Finding Nemo is, wasn't okay. nominated for Best Picture. Less so now. But, you know, and then Big Fish is this incredible, like, journey of a film. And they're like, now nah, put the one with the horse in it. <laughs> what yeah no the one of the horse are you are you sure yeah yeah we'll put that in okay i guess oscar oscar it's not about a horse it's about america oh yeah sorry well i to defend that point as well (laughs) (laughs) 
if you are American, me saying it's, it's, I'm not saying it's a better film for that. I'm just saying, I think that's what they were attending. Yeah. Don't you um, think though, it would be a better film if Tobey Maguire played Seabiscuit. <laughs> if that's the film. I, but I like wonder, they never acknowledge it. Yeah. He's just, I, he's just dressed as Toby Maguire. I wonder if yeah. historically uh, Seabiscuit, the races were actually fixed to sell the underdog story <laughs> to help the American working class. Uh, now mm. there's, there's, Ooh, that's a, there's that's a the film theory. I want to see. We're taking see. on the establishment this week. <laughs> yeah, man. That's the film I want to see is about the dark undertones of Seabiscuits. Well, last week it was Jack on, you know, talking about the fake moon landing and, th- and this time we've got a, we're going to yeah. deep dive into... Um, Kubrick directed the moon landings. Yeah. Seabiscuit was all a fix. Yeah. Um, Suppose bringing you truths. Yeah. On to Mystic River, right? Yeah, a, yeah. Another giggle-tastic, uh, laugh-a-minute thrill ride Fun from... all the family. The funniest man yeah. alive, Clint. Tickle me again, I'm not laughing hard enough, Eastwood. Um, so he's, he's, he's the first one we've had a double, double yeah. whammy. He's appeared... He appeared in, um, he did American Sniper. In our, yeah, which um, we thought was fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a bit uncomfortable. He's an interesting one. Um, I don't really get the hype with his films he's directed, but, but you know, Mystic River is fun. Yeah. I think well, it's not fun. It's not, no. <laughs> it's, it's not, not a comedy. It no, is as not a laugh riot. viewers who have no, you know, in, you know, no connection to the stakes and the drama of this film as, yeah. you know, observers from outside, we're having fun, but the characters within it yeah. Ooh. are not, Ooh. not having fun. Now, yeah. Oscar, you've not seen this film. Um, no, would you like to take a guess? You've not read any material about it. You've not watched the trailer. No. You've not, you don't know anything. No, would you like to guess what it's about? Um, I want to say there's a magic stream of water, but that is, that's all <laughs> I got going. And that's, that's only because of, um, how good Lost in Translation's title was that I'm just going straight off of a, yeah. a magical well, bit of water. Yeah. Well, Jonah genuinely thought that that was well, what the yeah, film was going to be about. I didn't know that. So it's a river yeah. near Boston called the, the Mystic. The river in Boston is called the Mystic River. Yeah, and I didn't know that it was called that. So I thought, I didn't know that until away into the film when they refer to it as the Mystic. So it's another one of those things that I think... If you, you know, if you're from near there and you know what the Mystic River is, of course, you're not going to make that stupid mistake. But I kind of was, so I kind of went in thinking the same thing and then it wasn't that. And then partway through, I thought, well, is it kind of like, you know, is it like the river's going to be like a character or what, what, you know, is it just a metaphor for like living along there? And it's, no, it's just called the, it's just called Mystic River because that's what the river's called. It's like it's River Avon, if it was called, you know. River, river. yeah. Yeah. It's based on a um, book. Yeah. In fact, all but one of these films are adaptations. How about that? Of mm. books. Um, Mystic River. Yeah, it's a Boston-based crime epic. There's a murder. They have to find out who did it, but it's kind of more melodramatic than that suggests. Three kids are playing around the street. One of them gets cut away and bad things happen to that that guy. Right, but he comes back and it's basically these three guys what their lives look like now, they're all grown up, and how they deal with a tragedy that unfolds. So Sean Penn, Kevin Bacon, and Tim Robbins are these three kids. Uh, Mm, Great cast. Basically, in its most simplistic terms, it's Mm. about a murder, and uh, Sean Penn is a relative of the victim. Kevin Bacon is the police officer investigating the crime, and Tim Robbins is a suspect, right? That's sort of the thing. 
And then it's about how these guys who all used to know each other when they were kids, but kind of have lost touch with each other. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. How they come back into each other's lives. I genuinely think you might like this, Oscar. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's, it sounds like I would have. It's a shame it's not anywhere to be Yeah. Talking. <laughs> well, you had it on DVD, didn't you? Yeah. That's I, why I had the, the disc. Your so, dad had it yeah. and we got it. Well, no, it's mine. mine. Oh, is it yours? Mine, oh, okay. Well, it's, it's a contentious subject. Anyway. anyway the the um, daughter gets murdered. <laughs> so, so I, I've put a whole load of weird over this conversation. I'd like to, well, can I rewind to the scene at the beginning? Because I think yeah. it's really important to, so, because this whole film hinges around this event. So the, they, the opening scene is the three main characters um, as, as young boys. And the casting of those young boys, because I knew who was in the film and I could instantly tell who was going to grow up to, I, mm. I instantly knew, oh, they're all going to grow up to be the main characters because they all look like the, the actors they're going to grow up to be which is brilliant. And there's a great bit of, um, you know, a- exposition where they all write their name in a bit of cement. So, you know, all the characters names without having to address each other. You know, so that's nice. Yeah. Basically these three kids are playing hockey in the street in, in Boston, Boston. Uh, what, in Boston. And one of them knocks the hockey ball down the drain, um, the drain, the drain, and they, so, but then they get distracted and, and Sean Penn's character, who isn't called Sean, Kevin Bacon's character is called Sean. Bit yeah, distracting. Very confusing. But um, he's writing, you know, he gets all the kids to write their name in the cement, in this wet cement. You know, it's like a bit of, you know, well, our names will always be on this street. And then this car pulls up to them and this guy gets out who's claiming to be a police officer who's telling the kids off. And he gets um younger version of tim robbins into the car he's trying to get all the kids but they only gets tim robbins in and drives away and he he's not a policeman tim robbins young tim robbins has been abducted and it's implied that you know he's been sexually abused and well, i think it's explicitly stated oh well yeah but he's but, yeah, so he's taken and, and kept by these two men in a cabin or in a cellar somewhere and yeah. manages to escape so basically, so these two boys, their friend's been abducted, right? But he manages to escape and he gets back to society and it's all fine. And then time passes and the guys grow apart, but they've all in the back of their heads. And the two, so obviously Tim Robbins' character is living with this trauma, but the other two in the back of their head, yeah. their friend in the past. And so um, Kevin Bacon's character becomes a police officer, as you said, and his partner is um, Lawrence Fishburne, who is- The et- height of cool. Put that man in a trench coat and I'll watch that film. So he becomes a police officer. Um, Sean Penn's character grows up and becomes yeah. um, a, a mobster. I don't know. He's, he's a sort of, of reformed crime boss. Yes. He's so, kind of, he's gone straight for his children and he's married to Laura Linney, who yeah. I want to give a shout out to. I think she's so good yeah. in everything. She's one of those actresses, a bit like Amy Adams, although Amy Adams, her star has kind of risen more recently. But I think they're just... It's a similar thing. I just think Laura Linney's so good and she's just not given the... I think Laura Linney and Amy Adams should be mentioned in the same breath of as you know Meryl Streep and yeah. Sasha Ronan. You know they're fantastic actors. She got the note about the Boston accent as well. That's yeah, her Boston yeah. accent is flawless. She's barely in the film, which is another problem. Still, all of these big Oscar films with horribly sidelined female characters, lost in translation, with it being the exception. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, she's great in it. What yeah. she has, she doesn't have to do much, but she's great when she does it. So I just wanted to say, go Laura Linney. Love yeah. her. Love her. Anyway, and Tim Robbins' character is um, just a, a family guy, you know, wife yeah. and a wife and a son. 
and it opens with him. Who's Laura Linney's sister, his wife. Yes. Yeah. So they're connected to his family and Sean Penn's family are connected. And the person who's murdered is, um, so Sean Penn's daughter is um, attacked and murdered and her body is found near the beginning of the film. And And the way that crime scene unfurls. Yeah. It's like the way everyone finds out is really well done yeah well okay so her car is found and then there's like a trail into the forest where her body so there's a like a i think there's a bullet wound in there's a bullet to the car implying that they shot at her and then um then they find her body beaten and dumped in the woods and kevin bacon is the police officer uh, kevin bacon and lawrence fishburne are the police officers on that case obviously sean penn is his daughter and um, Tim Robbins was the, one of the last po- people to see her alive because he was in a bar that his daughter was in the night before. So that's and how they're all brought also, back together. Tim Robbins like came in that night yeah. covered in blood with yeah. a stab wound and he's told something about being mugged, but we're fairly sure it's a lie. We yeah. don't know exactly the um, nature of the lie, but it's not looking good for him and he won't talk about it. The, how old is the daughter meant to be in this? She's nineteen. 19. Oh, okay, so still, yeah. And she gone. she was going to. We learn spoiler. She was going to flip. She was going to elope with her boyfriend, who Sean okay. Penn hates and won't let her see. He's great yeah. in this film. Um, he really gets to act. It's yeah. like he really gets to act. And there are some fantastic scenes. And I think when he's on screen, I think the film is kind of. It's kind of. I think there are two films in this film that are battling for prominence. And you've got the kind of reformed mob boss forced back into the game by the death of a family member and all the kind of melodramatic angst and Sean Penn battling with his demons and battling with the mistakes he's made in the past, all of that stuff. And then you've got a great little crime thriller with Kevin Bacon and Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, give them a TV show. Come on. Oh, (laughs) yeah. But that sort of thing. And I think those two films and then... Tim Robbins, who I think his character is the most important one in the film, but kind of, I've heard actually in the book, he's a lot more fleshed out and a lot of that got jettisoned. And I think he suffers because he's kind of like floating between these two films and he doesn't really know, you don't really know what the point is with that guy, even though you do, because he's he's very important. Yeah, exactly. But I think when it's strongest is when either Kevin Bacon is kind of getting to do some interrogation but mainly when sean penn is kind of wallowing in his grief and anger it just comes alive this yeah. this this film i think i think it, it's fine mm. it's 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 kind of good it's yeah i'm glad i watched it will i watch it again probably not it's not going to trouble my thoughts that much much better yeah. than sea biscuit not as good as Austin translation it, you know it sounds from it like the, the performances that people did uh kind of like the the selling point, although the story sounds like really interesting and kind of like intricate, sounds like yeah. the performances and like like you guys said, like uh, I think what would be two episodes ago now, the Academy likes films for actors. Yeah, really. yeah, hundred so percent. This is yeah, yeah. Well, if you think about it as well, with Clint Eastwood as director and all the names that are in this film, it makes sense why it's in this list. Yeah, but I do think sure. it's a good film. It's interesting the way we've pitched this Oscar probably sounds like a better film than it probably is i think it's a good film i think the 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 premise of the film is absolutely fantastic Mm. but it does feel a little bit crammed i feel like it made me want to read the book that's what this film did 
Exactly. Absolutely. I feel like it's a, you watch it once and you mm. go, cool, yeah. ticked off the list. Well, and you more watch it because it was uh, up for the nomination than... But I'm not unhappy it was. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, like you don't watch it and go, what, that? You kind of go, yeah, fair, cool. Yeah. And no, um, I think, this, I think this deserves to be in the best list yeah. for this year. I think, and it yeah. swept the boards with the acting. Oh well, yeah, mm. the actor, be, best actor and best supporting actor because there aren't really any women who get to do anything. In yeah, it. Lauren Linney's great, but um, I think that's a, that's not a that's not a problem with this film as so much as a problem with the society. world. Yeah, society yeah, exactly. is a problem. Um, yeah, I'd watch this film again. I yeah. I'd recommend it as well. I'd so you know it's great. So. Having you here, Oscar, I can say, yeah, I'd you know, watch this film if you get a chance, if you see it. Uh, yeah, I think I wouldn't, that's important. Yeah. I'd recommend this to friends, this yeah. film. Yeah. Maybe not sure. if you're feeling down. And <laughs> it's not. Although a, it's kind well, of. that counts me out at <laughs> of the day then. <laughs> I'm going to take issue with that, Jonah. I think it's the kind of grim mm. that is quite good, maybe, when you're just feeling a bit oh, Okay, blue. so kind of like if you're in that zone and you want to. Yeah. Because it's not like, because it's so heightened. Yeah. I think it yeah. kind of, you don't go, oh my God, I'm thinking about all the bad things that have happened in my life. Feeds because your emotion. Sean Penn's like chewing the scenery, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, mm. And so. And Oscar, um, your um, EP is out. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, hey, if, if you want sad, you if you want to fit the EP, yeah. you listen to the single. <laughs> listen, to, listen to, put put this movie on again but change the soundtrack to uh grief which is just me calling my uh dad's <laughs> it's, phone yeah. just for just that on repeat for the whole film there we um, that's fantastic you... track i'm just gonna say because <laughs> it just you don't when you're not expecting it, it punches you in the stomach you're like, that was oh, the one shit. of the ep finished that kind of played on when we were at, at dinner and uh that was that brought down the mood <laughs> <laughs> I, I showed we're getting very off track but quick, i showed it to people and they would they would turn it off halfway through and be like i can't deal with this and it was just me there being like perfect yeah <laughs> <That's> <laughs> succeeded. yeah yeah whereas i'm there going would you like to listen to another song i've written about a kettle yeah um sean penn and tim robbins were both nominated and won for best actor for Sean Penn and best supporting actor for Tim Robbins. And oh I think God. that's yeah. fair for both of them. You yeah. feel a bit sad for Bacon, yeah. um, but it, that, that, well, they're it, the two you pick. It's it. weird because quite, it is quite a restrained performance and he's quite subtle. He's the, he's the straight man yeah, of exactly. the film. But I'd, actually, I mean, I, I do think it's a good performance, but there were moments when it got a little bit melodramatic for me. And it was mostly Sean Penn's character because he's, you can tell he's acting his heart out in this film, but you can, but it, it does feel very like he's putting a lot of effort into the performance. It doesn't feel completely natural at points. That might be a personal taste thing. And I think, and this isn't, this isn't a problem with this film. This is me using this film as a vehicle to talk about an issue. I think it's just something that bugs me in films in general, but when people go to great performance, they go to veins popping in the forehead, you know, yeah. uh, you know tense buttocks, kind of yeah. melodramatic. Whereas I think, you know, I, mean, I don't think this is Kevin well, Bacon's greatest performance, well, but I think, yeah. he, you know, I think you can't discount that kind of performance. I think, it, and if it's needed for that role. Oh, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. If you look at the best supporting, uh, best actress category. Yeah. Um, Bill Murray got a Best Actor nomination, but Scar- Scarlett Johansson is nowhere. And I think mm. that's quite a shame, possibly, because yeah. she's great. And actually, of the two, I think possibly in Lost in Translation, she's getting the 
better performance. Well, yeah, because Bill Murray's just playing to... Bill Murray. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. She but sold, it... she, yeah, she definitely sold the full length for someone a lot more in a lot like like Jonas says in a lot yeah. more subtle way. Yeah, yeah. But that's exactly what Jonas saying, isn't it? That the big the big ones get the big the big the yeah. big wins. Best supporting actor category. You've also got Ken Watanabe in The Last Samurai. He didn't win. Tim Robbins did. Oh, so which, there you go. Uh, yeah. I mean, and in Best Actor, you've got Bill Murray, Lost in Translation, like I said, and also mm. Johnny Depp <laughs> in the uh, first parts of the Caribbean movie. Um, got a Best Actor nomination. Uh, which I, 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 would, you know, I would argue he's a Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, actually, well, exactly. He's, um, that goes into go. a whole thing about the nature, you know, how Captain Jack is used in those films. Yeah, things, yeah. But let's go. not go into that kettle of worms. But talking of Boats. swashbuckling naval yes. adventure... That's a segue. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, let's talk about Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> no, let's talk okay. about Master and Commander, colon, the far side of the world. The title's too long. Yeah, yeah. but I kind of don't mind it. <laughs> then, always... then again, I'm pining over Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. So, I mean, that's, Well, the film that's... is Return of the King, though. I think it's yeah. Lord of the Ring. Lord of the Rings is the is the it's the same with Star Wars. It's Empire Strikes Back and it's Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and it kind of doesn't matter. It doesn't really yeah. make sense that Master and Commander. I mean, it does when you actually look into what that yeah. film is. Well, is it, it does yeah. make sense that it's, it's called Master and Commander: The Far Side of the World because it's a. And so Peter Weir was approached who directed it. He was approached to make these films to make a film of this book of a series of books about yeah. this this ship's captain and this ship's doctor. And he said, I don't want to make this film. And they went, why? Do you not like the books? And he's like, dude, I love the books, but I don't think the first book is where you start. I don't think that's a good film. I think you'd have to go in somewhere in the middle when they're like on a big, long journey. And so they, they went, okay, mate, just go away, pick a book. Interesting. And so he went and picked a book from the middle. And so the book they're adapting is The Far Side of the World. Yeah. Um, and so, but Master and Commander is a more kind of, so it's kind of they're having both worlds, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I think the far side of the world on its own is a better title. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. It is not the best title this year. Um, no. But I absolutely loved this film. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. And have not been able to stop thinking about it. I think it's a masterpiece. I genuinely, genuinely love it. So. I'm going to stop talking and I'll let you two thrash it out. Jonah, I know you liked it. Yeah. Not quite as much as I did. No, I think I, I really enjoyed it, but I'm not kind of, I'm not kind of as obsessed as you are. Yeah. But. I'm elegiac about it. Yeah. I think it's I, the second best ever, ever maritime adventure movie after Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a masterpiece. I think it's brilliant. Uh, Oscar, what did you think of this film? Um, no, I, I really liked how different all of the films were that were, you know, um, put up for the nominations in this year. I, I thought it was really interesting with the diversity. And I think I, I enjoyed Master and Commander. I really did. I, I thought it was I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really interesting. I thought the way that they didn't let the fact that, um, you know, it, it's set on a boat for the majority of the film yeah. and that, that could be such a difficult obstacle for a director to overcome because you've got to i don't it's just such a small set to work with and obviously you know they jump off and they go onto islands which is lovely but they they just 
they use this claustrophobic sense of the ship so well in the action sequences. Mm. Um, they use that to like up the ante of the chaos. I think all the performances are really good, although I think the the characters are kind of lacking in any real arc, which is fine though because they're kind of like I, I mean, I guess if this is halfway through a already written story with a master and commander series that makes sense yeah well but peter I, Weir yeah. actively wanted to avoid sorry to just cut in yeah no, the earlier ahead. books he one of the things he said about going to the middle he said he wanted to make a film about the friendship that had already existed yeah, and, between and, you know the two as much guys. as i as much as i really like a solid character arc i i didn't also mind it not having one because you just straight away felt this like camaraderie between mm everyone on i yeah i i really i really enjoyed it the set was amazing i mean the the cgi uh which was quite a lot of it surprisingly a lot of the like the the wide shots of the boats mm. are cgi uh i yeah i really enjoyed it i didn't think it was anything special um really yeah I, wow, I, thought okay. a, I thought it was a really nice movie um but yeah i didn't it was one of the ones that you know you i would i would have put on if i was sitting watching it like you know if if my dad was just like, oh, we're going to watch an action film kind of thing, but it's slightly more highbrow than just a yeah. action, action film. But yeah, I didn't think there was anything incredible about it. I'd watch it again, but I wouldn't, I'd probably be on my phone wow. more than I would be watching it personally. Yeah. And that's sort of what, Jonah, that's sort of what you thought, right? Or did yeah. you like it a bit more than that? Um, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. So I think, I, yeah, I did enjoy it, but I don't think I'm not as... I'm, you know, I don't rate it as a kind of, you know, as highly as you do, Alex, but I did mm. really, I like, I think it's, well, I think context is important with these because I think if you look at when, you know, we're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean earlier and obviously <laughs> the, I think this film has been, it was in, the, you know, it was in the Twitterverse recently when it was kind of, you know, someone had <laughs> tweeted Russell Crowe pandying that it was a kind of, it was a boring schlock fest. And I think if you're, if you see this movie yeah. advertised and alongside, you know, if, I don't know, I, I haven't actually watched any of the trailers. It'd be interesting to watch them and see if they focus yeah. in on. If the, you want an action the, movie, the yeah, this is not for you. If yeah. you want Pirates of the Caribbean and you get and you yeah. sit down and you watch this film, you will be disappointed <clears throat> because that's not yeah. what the film is. But you know, but we, I think we were slightly dreading it because of her reputation because it you know it, it looks like a kind I of was, yeah well i had actually started watching it many yeah. years ago and i was so bored i had to turn it off i was quite young oh, wow. um uh, and so i kind of remembered thinking it was going to be really slow but it just took me away i yeah. just absolutely loved it i thought it was not only a masterpiece but a commander piece as well um we're going to master and master. commander piece. yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah. Jesus. Uh, i think well the thing russell crowe said in response to that yeah, yeah, that tweet. That not not to me saying masterpiece no, yeah, and yeah. commander piece. <laughs> Russell Crowe has written into us, and he's, uh, he's very disappointed <laughs> with you, Alex. Um, well, he's no. more disappointed that you call Gladiator a sports film. <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing a jog strap. I think it's perfectly valid. <laughs> um, I, uh, I think um, he sa- he said that this film is a film for adults, and I agree. I think it, we were talking when we were watching this film. We were talking about ratings and how like. You know, the, the rating system for films being, is all about based around like, you know, sex and violence and, yeah. and narcotics and whatnot. But I think there should be a, you know, a category should be musings on humanity. Exactly. I think <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a film for 
kids. Not, yeah, but yeah, it's not. Yeah. I mean, there is, you know, the, a, a boy gets his arm sawed off in the film, and there's, you know, people yeah. get shot and blown up. It's a chase movie. Yes, <laughs> basically, yeah. they are on a boat. They've been on a boat for ages. These men. Yeah. Is it seventeen fifty? Of... Is it set? No, eighteen fifteen. Eighteen fifteen. That's it. So it's because they moved it. it. So the book is actually yeah. a war between the English and the Americans, and they moved it so it was Napoleonic because they didn't want the Americans to be put off. The French, because the Americans would have been the bad guys. You can, you know, slander the French as much as you <laughs> yeah, like. Exactly. So what they 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 have yeah. been at sea for ages they're very far away from home and they get told that there's this french ship that's going around killing people and how sorry how far away from home would you say they are well they're near the galapagos aren't they you could say that yeah Uh, yeah, they're kind of on the far side I took that. Oh, my, I just walked straight in. Like, well, actually, I don't know if you could work it out nautically in terms of by the weather. Where are you? Know, obviously near the, you know, near the bottom, you know, near the yeah, equator okay. somewhere. Let, let me have another crack at that. So they're they're so far away. You could even say that they're on uh, the um, uh, the other side of the planet. And um, fuck, <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, they're at the other end of the the place, and um, <laughs> miles. They're miles off the map. Away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Master and commander, off the map. <laughs> um, and they get attacked by this French ship, and Russell Crowe, who is the captain, decides to they're going to get these these guys right. So he relentlessly pursues them, and um, that's a stupid idea because they're completely outmatched and outgunned. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's a new it's just, stealth it's, ship, isn't it? Yeah, that the yeah but it's, that's the thing. It's about hubris. Yeah, it's yeah, about I, it. You know, it's he. It's it's about him. He's a, he's re, he wants to win. Yeah, he, he wants to win more than he cares about the men around him dying. And Paul Bettany is his friend, who's the ship's doctor, who's an unusually kind of scientific. He's a naturalist as well. Yeah, he's a naturalist, but he's kind of a modern man. So you kind of got the sense of what Peter Weir described as you've got a modern man in Paul Bettany and a very old-fashioned man in Russell Crowe, neither of whom got acting nominations, which I think is a crime. I I, Um, I think they're both brilliant. Yeah. Again, social Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Although um, Billy Boyd. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He must like films where you have to do a lot of like living well, I, as the characters <laughs> I, I, I was <laughs> like, saying it's a, it's sad because pippin's life's just gone down so downhill <laughs> since getting back to the shire yeah i mean poor guy he's only just got back and now he's shipped off the sea for however many years well you know they've got to they've got to kill the french um uh the nazguls i don't know um the nazguls yeah i i i what i love about this is that so the two I guess for, well, for Jonah, certainly the two front runners of this year are the Lord of the Rings Return of the King or Lost in Translation, right? Yeah. And Lord of the Rings is this big, epic battle film, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Lost in Translation is very quiet, very introspective. Mm. And for me, Master and Commander does it so well because it's right in the middle of the two. You've got massive swashbuckling set pieces, really exciting ship to ship fights and oh great yeah. and when oh amazing but you've also got these beautiful conversations about the nature of humanity and um sea biscuits about a horse but this isn't about naval warfare this film is about humanity this film is about um 
Oh, it's fine to say that, that, that this no, film's about yeah, humanity. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I agree with you. <laughs> um, I'm just... It's, it's why I loved it. And it's about angry. the clash between these two men. Russell Crowe wants to fight, wants to win. And Paul Bettany wants to open his horizons, widen his horizons, find out more about the world. And these two mm. ideals clash with each other. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, a, it's a, a long film. It feels long in a great way. Yeah. It kind of bathes in its length. And I love it when films do that. Remember Um, what you're saying right at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, no, I know. I know. But I'm going to bring that up later. Okay. It's it's the right kind of long film. I'm going to look at how long it is, in fact, right now. It's like two hours, 16 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Two hours, 16 minutes is not the same as three hours when you're the third part of a fucking nine hour long film okay jonah actually, quite frankly I, not the same like thing 12, it's actually like 12 hours well if you do the extended, extended editions yeah. yeah which is the only uh, uh anyway what uh, mastering i i really liked um i think what you're saying alex is that balance it, it found between um these kind of like serene moments but you're just waiting for it to kind of kick up the ante again and in between that you have these brilliant conversations mainly between paul bettany and russell crowe but um even I think the opening is a really good way it does it. So there's, it's kind of like a really slow opening. Yeah. And you're expecting, you know, the film's called Master and Commander, these very like powerful big words. You're expecting it to kick away straight into it as a lot of action films were doing. It starts slow and then the drumming starts and it just goes from calm to chaos, which, you know, you could say is a lovely metaphor or simile to the sea going from mm. calm to chaos. Mm. And then um, you get to see this set in like full action, everyone running about, uh, running about it. And then I, I love also the fact that you know one ship in a very big ocean is a great way to build attention because we have no escape as the audience, and it danger can come from any place. Yeah. And then they show that with the, I think my favorite shot is um, the cannon fire through the fog in the opening. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, everything's covered, and then you just see this like explosion of red and orange, and I was like, okay, brilliant. And you know, I'm a sucker for a good set piece <laughs> of action. I just, I thought it was brilliant. Um, but then I, I did write, uh, you know, after they found out they were completely outmatched and outgunned, why aren't you going home? Oh yeah, plot because you know you can build Russell Crowe up to be this very, uh, this obviously very skilled commander. And I, and I get it's, you know, him being heroic and being like, I'm going to do anything I can to try to turn the tide. And, whether but that's, but that's a bad lose. thing. That's, yeah. a, that's yeah. pitched yeah. as a bad, yeah. Yeah, a failing exactly. Of his. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And as the, I think as the film continues onwards, you get more and more of the fact it's, you know, it's not the correct decision, but everyone's going along with it anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I yeah, it, I just, I just didn't... I don't know. It was it was kind of like a. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed watching it. It just didn't give anything new to me. And you know, I'm kind of looking for films that like add something. It's One of the reasons the fact, I yeah love it no, go, yeah. is how old fashioned it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. I yeah. I, I thought I thought they did that. Um, I think there's it's... a few hour-long youtube videos i wanted to watch on like how historically accurate it was but yeah but but i mean i don't even mean the history because actually the books are well known for he didn't write in a contemporary way at all they were written in the 60s but he wrote as if he was from the time and he 
wrote he never explained the naval terminology he used the writer of the books he just kind of like threw you in the deep end as it were um and but i what i when i say old-fashioned i don't mean 1815 uh, or 1810 maybe it's 1810 i don't know but i mean i love it's old-fashioned and it made me think of big old hollywood epics just like gladiator actually that's one of the things gladiator does it feels like a really old-fashioned movie and that's why in both of those films russell crowe is such clever casting because i think i love russell crowe i I genuinely i think he's amazing i think people are really unkind about him some of the time i think he totally acts all the time Mm, yeah and he's fantastic and he's great in this but he has that really old-fashioned movie he's a movie star i think some people are actors some people are movie stars and and russell crowe is a movie star and and i I love love him for that and i love the line he to 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 be fair with with this film it's not that i disliked it in any way you know it's it's just i didn't love it you know but i i love the line he treads between caring and the commander you know there's the scene when everyone's looking at the galapagos island and Mm. taking it all in and he's facing the other way looking out to sea because he's always alert yeah, and then yeah. any scene with him interacting with, you know, the people who are also on the ship is just filled with this kind of like respect and pride that often people, you know, when they're playing the commander of a ship in films, they just do away with. They're just like, oh, I'm in charge, blah, 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 big boss. Where He's got this compassion towards everyone he encounters on the ship in a lovely way, even when he's, you know... um he's getting the guy whipped because he's disrespecting someone else mm. you know even that's done with kind of this like no these are the rules you know you have to stick by them and then yeah. the doctor's just a absolute i love oh. paul bettany in this I paul bettany again such a... paul bettany's an actor not a movie star isn't it do you yeah. know what i mean like it's and mm. the fact that the, there are, there's that clash between these two styles these guys have works beautifully yeah. and paul bettany's just a genius i yeah uh, absolutely i think he's wonderful <laughs> he's yeah. fantastic and I, um, the, the way the way they take these he's like laura linney pieces. oh actually yeah. he's similarly uh, and amy adams he's kind of that fantastic actor who's always good and stuff but you don't feel yeah. like he's on the lists of greatest actors ever in a way he should be yeah definitely uh, i i love the scale and the scope of it all like, like i mentioned before doing it with a, a boat means that you've got the whole ocean to work with but also yeah one boat to work with but they 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 bring everything up with these big wide shots of the cannon fire and, you know, the mast falling down. And then they chuck you right into the bow of the ship and like everything's close quarters. Mm. It's just that my, my only issue with this whole film is at the very end when they're playing violin and cello together, <laughs> the violin <laughs> keeps playing while Russell Crowe is not playing it. Yeah. It's like he's got a loop pedal. And correct yeah, me is- if I'm wrong, <laughs> I don't think that was invented yet. No, that was that was invented uh, in the year 1800, actually. Oh, um, yeah, the loop by, pedal. By Nelson, weirdly. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that about him. He I uh, Ed was not only the loop pedal. Yeah. an incredible... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Nelson was not only an incredible naval commander; he also invented the loop pedal. Yeah, um, what was it? The, I mean, the steam engine was 1830. The loop pedal was uh, yeah. 1815. To be honest, without the loop pedal, they would never have uh, invented the steam engine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the loop pedal very much. Well, it's got to keep going, isn't it? Yeah. Central motion, grinding a cog. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, I. Yeah. I, I thought. I thought the. Um, the kind of mix between navy and naturalism and the way those tied together and the fact that we got the the brief look at the stick insect 
yeah. earlier on in the film in the book, and then that kind of comes into play was oh, nice. Genius. Well, yeah, it's I so that was really good. And it's specific sorry, Jonah. Go, I was go, just go. gonna describe the bit. So they find you know, so obviously Paul Bettany's a naturalist. So he's st- and he's showing the so it's it's weird because it's a historical detail that the ship is being run by lots of young boys. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 there's an upper class of of captains and and leaders and but there's also a a kind of trainee class of like young naval lads and like young young talking, yeah like you know like early teens younger yeah and one of them is injured in battle and loses his arm so kind of but he's kind of taken under Paul Bettany's wing and Paul Bettany's kind of you know when, so he's showing him he's studying these um these um insects and animals and he's showing him like animals that naturally camouflage and then this foreshadows later in the in the film, mild spoiler alert, when they um, disguise the ship. Well, there's two moments of, of genius where one where he create where um, oh, yeah Stunning. where Russell Crowe creates a fake. So they attach lanterns to a small dinghy yes. oh, and I push it off so into good. the dark. Oh, I, I so cool. That. So the yeah. boat chases this kind of the, the lights bobbing. And then there's another moment later where they repaint the outside of their ship to look like a, a whaling ship and they disguise yeah. themselves and then mm. spring out and attack this boat i think there's a bit where russell crowe that like they they see the boat again and they're about to be attacked and they all russell crowe barks his orders at everyone and then they all run off and russell crowe takes a moment to look almost (laughs) slap back at the camera and he says this is the second time he's done this to me and he looks at the camera there will not be a third yes that's what i'm talking about i mean what more do you want that's so cool i think i've i've this is I, I said this after watching the film because I, I like I did I really enjoyed this film. I, mm. I think I should stress that. But the, what I why it's not higher on my list, I think, for this year is because I don't think it it, it has a wide enough appeal to most people. I don't think it's the type of film that most people get. I really enjoyed it, but I said afterwards, I think it's the type of film. If you're a fan of Star Trek: The Next Generation, you will love this film. <laughs> And I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, I'm not, well I feel I feel attacked. <laughs> well, I love I love Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I love this film, but I don't. But I can understand why that type of thing does not appeal to lots of people. And also, but I I think this is a genuine. I, do, I would be interested to know if Gene Roddenberry was a fan of these books because <laughs> yeah. it is a hundred percent. Well, Kirk, it's, it feels like a. Well, uh, Paul Bettany is a cross between Bones and Spock, but, but it does I, feel I, like that Spock and, think, and yes. Kirk relationship, doesn't it? I think that's so much. Actually, that's more because when they got people like Nicholas Mayer in to produce and write and direct the Star Trek movies with Russell Khan, oh, okay, yeah, he yeah. actively wanted it to be like a like an admiral, like a hornblower kind yeah. of thing, right? So I think what you're getting at is this is a great example of that kind of thing yeah. which l- like kind of star trek original cast movies were actively aiming for yeah, so yeah. it's not that they're directly influencing each other but but yeah but the, and i kind of was joking when i said wrath of khan is the the best naval warfare film i'm not really joking because no. it, it is one of the best yeah. but what's so clever about star trek that uh wrath of khan is is whereas stuff like Star Wars, they depict uh, space fights as being like dog uh, uh, like dogfights, exactly yeah. like yeah. Uh, World War Two fighter pilots, right? S- sky. And what's clever about the Wrath of Khan in the Star Trek movies it's and the series stars, as well is like, that it's 
naval. It's yeah. it's like they they do it as if they're boats, that's, but with a third that's dimension. A really interesting take that is so glaringly obvious, but not one that's ever crossed my mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's you look at the the battle at the end of the Wrath of Khan. I can't believe. It. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, we've genuinely mentioned Star Trek in every episode apart from the first one. Wait, wait, um, wait. Can, can we wait? Is it Master and Khan Mander? <laughs> yes. I knew that I was, I've been working yes. that out in my head for the Master whole time. Master and Commander, the far side of the neutral zone. Um, Khan. So, so Mas- in, <laughs> fuck. In from hell's heart, I stab at thee. Um, well, it's Moby Dick, isn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. Master, but, yeah. but from, from Master and Command, oh, no, Wrath of Khan, the final battle, how, Kirk, spoiler for Wrath of Khan, Kirk wins. Um, and how Kirk wins is because, uh, uh, Khan, uh, Khan is, is, is visualizing it because he's from the nineties, like a naval battle. So he's operating mm. in two dimensions and Kirk wins by, operating in the third dimension and going underneath which khan doesn't anticipate oh, which i mean why does he not anticipate that it's yeah because he has to win he yeah. Kirk has to win right yeah um and they're but, in a nebula yeah oh. but um, what i'm saying with that is in back way back in episode one i when i said I can, of uh, Star Trek, the original series. Yes, yeah, or, way, way back yeah. in that in that one with um with Christopher Pike and um, when when Spock's wearing. Well, I think wearing you'll him. find that's the pilot, not actually oh, I'm the so, oh, first I'm so episode. Sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, what I was what I'm saying is, I think I can enjoy a film, but I know that it's not. A f- I I can separate in my head. Stuff that I, I know that it's pressing my buttons, but I don't think it's necessary. That makes it a great film for everyone. And I think mm. I really enjoy this film, but I know, but I don't think it's a, it's, it's a film. You know, I don't think it's a film with as much mass appeal. And, and that's just another factor in what I think if you're, if you're looking at, you know, best picture, you're taking into lots of different things. And if I had to weigh it against something like Lost in Translation, I think Lost in Translation is a more universal story so it okay. just nudges it above that's but why i've done Jonah, that yeah Jonah, when we did 2014 mm-hmm. with cam yeah what film did we go for we went for boyhood we went for boyhood yeah and what did we say in our discussion about boyhood we said we completely understand why lots and yeah. lots of people might find it too slow and ponderous but for us it absolutely does the job well, yeah but i think but my argument is uh, that Look, I know I'm going to lose, right? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't want to take this position. I really loved, I love this film, but I just, but, I, but obviously, boy, Boyhood is, is about having childhood. We've all had childhoods. We've not all been yeah, on, a, but we've not all had, you know, kind of um, that kind of childhood. Well, yeah, we've all, we've all, like, we've all talked about humanity with yeah. our best friends, right? We've well, all, no, not all um, of us have. We've all had friendships where one of us likes war and one of us likes naturism. Well, I mean, uh, haven't we? We've all, we've all tried to tra- and track Jonah, down. Not, a, not everyone's been to Japan. Yeah, but but we've all yeah. been in. Yeah, we've all had that moment in our lives when we've been in a kind of null space. But I, I think not I, everyone is yeah, sits no, and yeah, ponders point. the you know but the I, but, nature yeah. of humanity. I no, can I yeah, can yeah, I give yeah, a, I can that. I give a counter argument? Okay, okay, please. yeah. In Star Trek Sixth, you know, I'm joking. <laughs> um, uh, that's a great film too. Um, Same director, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. I don't know why they don't just get him back to As Wrath of Khan, not, not as yeah. Master Commander. <laughs> yeah, as Master Let's Commander. be very Peter, specific. Peter Weir talking. doing a Star Trek film. <gasps> yes, please. Um, no, my counter argument is this. I don't really, I, I don't really agree with you. <laughs> In the, and it's not because I loved this film, right? I did love this film, but, and I understand what you mean. I'm, okay, yeah, of course not everyone is going to like it. But I don't think, as few people are going to like it as you think, as you think, I think it's not about, I don't think it matters whether you can relate to a film. I think if you relate to a film, you're getting something different out of it, but I don't think that is why I think the stuff you're saying about people connecting to master and command, not connecting to master and commander, but connecting to lost in translation. I think the same is lost in translation is equally in fact, possibly more ponderous and, uh, kind of what well, we were saying it's all about space in a similar way to master and commander actually i think weirdly they're similar films because it's about two people who are at weird places in their life connecting yeah over something and and yeah lost in translation it's the beginning of that relationship and it, that relationship is a very short one and in master and commander it's been a long-running friendship do you know oscar i do think uh, I'm the Paul Bettany to your Russell Crowe. I think there's similarities <laughs> I, in this. Yeah, um, yeah, fair. I, 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 I <laughs> you like that analogy. Never let me go on islands when we're on no, boats. No, but that, um, uh, no, that's because you can't swim. At. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is very true. And the last the last lizard you picked up was the Komodo dragon. <laughs> no, no, not the big one, Alex. You're like, but it's so pretty. Like, no, um, yeah, I'm not as clever as Paul Bettany in this, but there we go. Um, but I think. What am I trying to say? I I think I understand what you're saying. It's about it not being everyone's mm. cup of tea, but I don't think that is an argument for it right. not being the best picture. Well, yeah, I, can, can mm. I can I chuck in yeah, my uh, opinions? Uh, yeah. I, think, I, I think that, um, and this is going to be an interesting one. I think Lost in Translation is more alienating of a film for audiences to get along with. I the Master completely be, agree be, with you, Oscar. because audiences like you've chucked in an action sequence they're going to be happy. exactly you Lost have moments. translation yeah. is slow and steady and you have to you know read into a lot of what's going on a lot of the time i think you know i, I think no that's, point. that's why lost in translation is such like almost like culty film you know you yeah, mention yeah. its name and ever all the film junkies go oh master and commander everyone goes except if you're alex yeah a great film cool set pieces you know it's I, I think they both have a lot of similarities, like Alex's drawing. But yeah, I think you know any any film that any film that's just going to be a bit more like quick and fast paced compared to Lost in Translation is going to be a lot more. It's going to be much easier to get into. I found it. It took me three times watching Lost in Translation to get into the, its flow. I had to be in such yeah. a headspace. Master and Commander, I could turn on any time and just watch it. That doesn't mean it's a better film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, not, yeah. I think it definitely means it's just it, it's got open arms for its audience, pretty much. Well, Lost in Translation is a bit more like, oh, you don't understand me, therefore go away. You know, at no point in Lost in Translation does Bill Murray turn to the camera and say, "There will not be a th- third time." No, um, <laughs> you know, he does nearly t- look to the camera though. A couple. Of he, he I agree. I do. I complete. I do agree with that. Actually, I think, and I did really enjoy this film. So I don't. Mm. Re- I don't particularly want to keep kind of. I'm aware I like, burrow into it. I'm like, automatically we, we defensive like because it I as much. Yeah, I I know 
how hard a fight I'm going to have when yeah. we come to discussing. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kind of like, because I'm so convinced oh, we're going to fight so much. I, but I I've, genuinely, already, I've already turned to my notes on Lord of the Rings. To be I'm going to pee before we get into Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, out of fear! <laughs> <laughs> okay, just to finish up on Master and Commander, the far side of the world... I love, I love it. I think yeah, it's no, yeah, so good. I, I do not, I it's do not a masterpiece and a commander piece. Yeah. Yeah. There you the, go. The, the close side of brilliant. Would recommend. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's just, you know. Yeah. I've got you, Russell. It's all right. Now you're probably thinking, now, wait a second. Surely you've got another film to talk about. This can't be the end of the episode. Well, you'd be right there. And in fact, uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King took up the entire second half of this conversation, which will be dropping soon. But for now, here's just a little taste. But the the, the way he wrote the Lord of the Rings is they are translations. Yeah. So he he wrote the Lord of the Rings from he he's a uh, I guess I guess like this kind of person who's found these old tomes and has decided I'm going to translate this into the common tongue. So Frodo, Baggins, Samwise Gamgee, um, those aren't the Hobbit's actual names. Those are translations of the Hobbit's names into the common tongue, which is English. So Samwise's name is a translation from something that means strong, um, green, something like that. And that's how they got the names. So there's Ah. all of these really interesting aspects to it, but it does mean that He's not a writer, he's a linguist, and you yeah, have yeah. to understand that. But what he is, and I think this is the thing to remember about him, is he's a world builder. He's not yeah. a writer, he's a world builder. You know, he's the best D&D dungeon master you could ever yeah. want to have in your entire life. You know.